Hello, and welcome back to the periphery. Uh, hey guys, hey folks. How's it going? Great, how are you guys? Doing pretty well. Despite Despite the weather. Yeah, it's pretty bad weather here. Sunshiny Palo Alto. And today we are in fact sitting in a restaurant, which is pretty nice, pretty good, because today we have a good friend. My name is Duncan Harrison. I'm the sommelier and beverage director at Zola and Bar Zola in Palo Alto, California. Um, we're also in the midst of opening up a new restaurant here on Ramona Street, uh, where the old pro used to be, which is where we're recording live. Live. Live in studio. This is super cool. This is definitely the coolest location <laughs> yeah, that yeah. has ever recorded. Yeah, we, we, you've had the most weird locations. You've had hallway and oh, stairway. Yeah. I, I'm scrappy. But like never uh, abandoned or bar in construction. Yeah, yeah. It's a set in the mood for this conversation, I think. It totally is. Uh, and so today, you know, Duncan and I, we have a lot of great conversations. And we, one day we're talking about tipping and just, you know, how he runs his restaurants and what works, what doesn't. And I, I don't know, like a year ago, I was looking online, or not looking online, but my algorithm was feeding me a ton of tipping is problematic, the history of tipping is like racist, it's classist, and yada, 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 yada. And I, it raises two fundamental questions to me. One, should tipping exist? And two, if it is to exist, how should it exist? Uh, and I think that like, the higher level question of that is just, how do you make the most equitable and just society or companies and X, Y, and Z? And so today we have Duncan, who's got some ideas. I do have some ideas, uh, but I'm, we were just talking before we started recording. Have any of you three worked in restaurants before? I have. Jess has, Marcus. I was perhaps the worst waitress on the face of the planet. Sure, sure. And like, just to throw it out there, I don't know about tipping because I felt like my performance was being judged. Sometimes I, it just wasn't a good job for me. It just wasn't a good personality fit. And so my tips were subpar. Um, I like services that's very hands-off and not like, hi, how's your, like try to change your mood. Uh So I was just kind of like, do you need something to drink? I just wasn't, it just wasn't a skill set for me. Like, people have different skills. That's not my skill. God, and it just does like this, has this like psychological effect because sometimes you're like, you come in, you're not vibing that day, and you're just like, oh, I don't really don't want to put on this smile for you, but you have to force it. Yeah. And by the time you've done eight hours of that or 10 hours, you're just like, emotionally just exhausted yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't talk to anyone for like weeks now I'm people that are good at that it's so incredible though how they can just like completely change your day mm. totally yeah true. yeah I agree and uh, I guess that's like that's part of the whole like tipping in like the restaurant game right now is like you hire personalities and you you try to get people out there that are gonna be a good representative of your your bar and restaurant and hopefully make some regulars out of it so is tipping like a conversation had between uh, employees at a restaurant? Like I remember the first time I was overseas and like, you know, there's that whole thing where you don't oh, tip. Yeah. And so it's I'm like, so wow, uncomfortable this is American. so nice. Like why would we even need to tip? Like yeah. this is before I had worked as a waitress, but I just wonder, <laughs> I'm sure there are, they probably have workers' rights. I assume I haven't looked into that. So what do you get? Like, what is the conversation like? Yeah. I actually don't know too much about like laws or yeah. or like culture tipping culture in European countries or abroad um, but yeah I mean the tips are like the biggest part of the conversation like the majority of my job is staffing and make sure making sure everyone's making enough money to get by mm-hmm. so um, really uh, with it, within the United States there's two major differences from state to state whether they have um, I forget the name of it exactly maybe you guys know but there's like a 
a, min a tipped minimum wage that's like way below, uh, wow. like it's like two dollars and like thirteen cents per wow. hour. Or something. I've heard of that. Mm. And there's really mad on Indiana, which is where yeah. I was working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I think there's only like seven or nine states, something in that amount, that actually have like full minimum wage and then tips on top of that. So, um, you know, it can be really, really complicated, like balancing this stuff. And so, um, you know, most restaurants' profit margins are really tight. So a lot of times people will say, oh, just like pay your people more and then, and then raise the prices on the menu. Um, but when you're working in a climate where other people aren't doing that, those menu prices seem artificially high. And all the examples of places I know of, like from the East Bay to, to SF that have tried that, uh, have like floundered instantly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a good time to like segue into like should tipping exist and um, despite it's like rocky history. And I think, I think it should. And I think when it comes to equity, um, like Afi's second question here, um, it's really one of the only industries that has a built-in like pay scaling based on inflation. So uh, as prices rise, um, the, the uh, wages of your employees rise directly with that, right? Because if now people are spending, well, they used to spend $80 per meal, now it's 100 because it's a percentage-based thing, those um, kind of like working class people don't get left behind by the, the uh, like raise in prices. So, that's a, so Assuming uh, people don't t start tipping less. Correct. Mm -hmm. Well, that's correct. a bit ironic because I feel like in corporate jobs, it, the inflation does not track with, uh, or the salaries do not track with inflation. That's right. And also, I mean, I just kind of think you're saying, uh, you're saying how it's a big part of the conversation. What does like like what part like what is that like, actual conversation? What is what do employees want, and how has that conversation been different at the different places and the different stages of your career? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, only until the past like ten years, um, it used to be very individualistic, right? So when uh, Jess was working in Indiana, she wasn't making a ton of tips. Maybe uh, she had a couple of rough days here and there. Um, <laughs> Because she was coming up, what do you guys want to drink? <laughs> Here's your lemonade. They weren't my tears. <laughs> um, but, so, but, I would have loved to be one of your <laughs> patrons. I know. I kind of want to see this. We could like act it out in here or something. You but. might have been really good at that one restaurant. I think it's like where like, all the servers like... It's Dick's Resort. Yeah. They're, they're like, not nice to yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you <laughs> might have thrived in that place. <laughs> Dick's Resort. It's, it's a perfect name. Um... <laughs> So, so uh, back in the day, it used to be highly individualistic, where servers would, um, you know, they track their own sales individually and their own tips. They just got to put it directly into their pocket. Um, since then, I think there's been some changes in the uh, labor laws from state to state, and, which allowed for tip pooling, which means everyone contributes to this like pool of cash in the middle, and it gets redistributed to everyone to make sure that. Um, people that are having maybe like struggling one week or, or really killing it the next week, it, it raises the ground floor for how much they can make and caps the ceiling a little bit, um, offering them a little bit more stability um, in this industry that's super tip dependent. So, um, you know, everyone makes tons of money in, in December and then makes almost nothing January and February from the seasonality of things. So what caused that change? Like what, who, what was the advocacy like and why? Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of factors that I don't have like a great grip on. I, I more came into the industry as it was sort of transitioning, and I think it was purely need-based. It was like a necessity thing because with all these uh, servers that are career types 
working with others that are just kind of passing through. Maybe they're going to school. Um, you know, it would, you would have these, these guys at school that weren't making anything. And then a couple guys taking over the whole restaurant and all the resentment that built up. And I think after some business owners saw this, like, go through the reps and seeing uh, the, the turnover remain super high, yeah. they, they decided, like we did, that it's time to make a change and um, rethink how we can make this industry a little bit more equitable, like you said, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I think there's, there's some psychology to tipping, too. And we want to make sure everyone that is spending their hard-earned or their, their life's time here is making a reasonable amount. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would be better for morale to kind of like work together as a team towards the, the income. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I, I, I think when Afi and I first sat down and started talking about this, the, the analogy kind of kept popping up as like, um, it's a bit of like a communal system or a bit like socialistic in a way to like contribute to this like resource pool and then make sure everyone kind of is getting what they need. Um, and it, it, it raises some like interesting questions about um, like the the dynamics of like political systems and like um are we are we going to be um more socialistic in the future or are we going to be more independent driven and conservative in the future and there's kind of pluses and minuses to both sides um, and i think the tipping system can be kind of like analogous to that and just like the way that people value service workers like even just varies crazily across states like yeah. i think there's a pretty <laughs> solid correlation between um, minimum wage being higher and there being like it's standard for it to be like a 20%, 25% tip. Mm -hmm. Whereas like where minimum wage is lowered, the standard is like 15. If you like, will look up these maps online. Oh, really? So I think people just In like, Indiana, they value 15? the service. Is it <laughs> I, I think it, I don't know. I, I probably was trying to be like, <laughs> they just aren't tipping me because people just don't tip here. No, it was one of those things where like, I've just been curious and I've looked up like, how much is a good tip? Like, what is a good tip? Because it used oh. to be, People have told me it's 20%. Other people say it's 18%. But it just varies widely by state, which is very interesting. I think there's, like, um, <clears throat> a bit of a change that's happening with the use of devices at these restaurants, too. Oh, like, yeah. Tell me about it. Because now I'm tipping, like, 35%. Oh, my God. Yeah, those first three options, it's, like, 30%, I mean, like, 32%. I was I'm like, I don't... What a tip. They do the part. math for you, so you're like, all right. Yeah. And you also feel more pressure when like I more know. people are around. And I'm you're like, 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 I don't want to, you know, be that guy. Like, yeah. I have to find the middle ground or tip the highest. Yeah, I'm like holding this device, yeah. like looking you in your eyes. Yeah. It's like, very I got hunger in these eyes. You know, I'm like, please, please. I'm so hungry. Like, listen, fucko, you're paying ten dollars for this coffee. Give me a tip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, coffee specifically. I read something online. Don't don't quote me here, but quote the internet. <laughs> that coffee shops like have some unique like not like corporate not like starbucks but mm -hmm. like mom and pop quote-unquote coffee shops have like some unique pay structure where it's like basically basically this article told me there was no need to tip at coffee shop because mm. it's built into the business model. I I tip at my no I tip too. It was like Washington Post. I don't know what it was, but it was like it's point. It doesn't. I don't know. I think it was like it doesn't go to the employees as much as it goes to like overhead. That's something that uh, is is kind of interesting as well. So if you guys have ever been out to dinner, I think a lot of people don't know this, and um, you're going with a party of like six or more. A lot of times, it's really common to see included gratuity, right? Like 20% service fee or whatever that is. So anytime a restaurant includes a service fee like that, the ownership is entitled to, I believe it's 100% of that money. 
they can choose to give that to the servers as Whoa. like a courtesy. But basically with the way that the labor laws work is if there's an included fee for doing business, that is not technically a tip. And, and there's no, like, ne there's, it's not necessary for the ownership to give the server that amount, so. Oh yeah, okay, so like I wanted to like nail in on, you said like the labor law shifted, but it's, there's still differences in how tips are distributed, at, at least in practice. Yeah. So like, what what is the floor, at least in California, like what is the floor and how much latitude do business owners have to just call the service fee and not give anyone a tip or call the tip and, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, you guys are well, probably more aware of the laws than I am. I, I kind of bump into them from time to time. Like, and they, like they what can you do? Bumpers, like, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so the so one law that changed re relatively recently is that the, when we talk about like the back of house versus the front of house, yeah. the back of house is like everything behind the scenes, like the kitchen and the dishwashers. Um, and then the front of house would be the servers and everyone in the, the chain of service that happens between the kitchen and when you get your food and stuff. So um, one law that changed in recent, like since we've been alive anyway, is that um, like the tip, the back of house is able to receive part of the tip sharing thing. So that completely changed the whole, um, the whole way this works. And mm. now I, th I think generally um, restaurants are required to prove that the tip pooling and redistribution is, is a fair system. So you, you, if you were to bring it in front of a judge, if it was so obvious that it's like this is completely unfair, um, you know, th this, you, you have some violations. But it's really within a certain amount as long as you're being fair and equitable and there, it's established what the system is amongst all the staff. Um, you have some room to like fine tune it and make sure everyone's getting theirs, um, you know, taking home enough money. Um, at the end of every night. So, um, like to answer your question, Afi, like uh, a lot of a lot of times this works out where um, some places, especially here in San Francisco or in Palo Alto, California, um, all the tips get pooled and then they get redistributed based on hours spent at the restaurant. And sometimes that can be equal amongst amongst the front of house and the back of house. Um, that's there to kind of supplement the income. Um, that really there's a, a big gap between what the back of house guys make. Usually in this area, it's $25, $30 an hour. And then in the front of house, uh, after tips, it's minimum wage. Um, a lot of them are clearing like $50 or $60 an hour. Um, oh and so, so I think a lot of people, I, I, we're always towing that line of like keeping people from getting resent, like resentful about each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, they look at their own work and they say like, you know, like in the back of the house, they're burning their hands. They're they're, <clears throat> they're screaming. They're working so hard. They're, you know, working with sharp knives and it's, it's an intense situation, and then you go out to the front of house, and you'll, you'll catch me. You deal with people. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dreaded human beings. <laughs> but you'll you'll catch me like uh, leaning on the bar at some point, like like tasting the new wines that just are about to go on the menu, right. and uh, it's not obvious that I'm I'm like pulling my weight. I, I can't participate in the tip pool because I'm a manager. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's one important thing. Um, so if you're able to hire or fire people and you write the schedule, you cannot participate in the tip pool. Hmm. So. Um, I, I stay out of that, but I think that also makes me a good person to kind of help uh, fine tune the system that we, we operate under. So, you know, I'm really, I work directly with everyone from the front to back of house and make sure everyone's feeling like it's fair and equitable and stuff. And so I think the whole redistribution method can be a really great um, system, but it has to be in the hands of someone that's trustworthy and is willing to do the administrative work necessary to keep it fair and operating uh, well. So you brought up 
sort of the new tipping technologies or just like payment technologies. Like we all see those like little toast things yeah. or the little iPhone extension yeah. swipes. Um, have you noticed trends like very clear, like people pay more, people pay less, or is it kind of all over the board? Yeah, people people react differently. Uh, it's It's kind of been... <clears throat> almost a bit controversial, um, you know, like most people see that and it suggests 20% at our restaurant and it also says 18% and 22% and there's like a like a sad face on the 18% <laughs> and like a happy face on the 20 and then like a like, you know, something super exciting on 22 or whatever, but uh, I think it's sort of it comes off as a bit pretentious or like we expect something that is inherently like awkward to be expecting. So I notice people sometimes they kind of like you know, raise their, raise their, look down their nose at it a little bit and kind of like frown and, and just like try to sneakily hit the 18% because it just feels it's so like the weird. etiquette of it because when you give a tip, <laughs> I think some people are like, I'm such a good person. Uh-huh. I'm going to leave a nice tip. But yeah. if it's like the machine like assumed that you might, it's right. just like, well, right. it's like, it, it I takes will. something from but, you. But honestly, because every restaurant does it now, I feel like that's shifted the culture too. Like I feel like Last summer, when I was like first seeing, I was like, "Oh yeah, now the letter shop has a tip button." Yeah, <laughs> it's right. not one I will say no to. But yeah. uh, like, uh, it's like I'm gonna find a fucking card. Uh, but uh, I do think because everyone's doing it, it's like totally different now. Like I feel expected to do it, but I also don't feel like resent- resentful over doing it anymore. Because maybe it's shifted how I value service workers. I, don't know. I could anticipate um, certain service workers, and I won't say like that that people at your workplace do this, Duncan, but it would help um, pose problems to some. I won't say tax evasion, but some tax optimization strategies, like not reporting your cash <laughs> yeah. tips. To yeah, no, I think about that too. Yeah, the federal government. I mean, that's that's like a tale as old as time. Um, you know, most of these guys. Uh, back in the day, especially when it was so individualistic, they'd be pocketed, pocketing all this cash tips. And then it was up to them at the end of the night to like, tell us what you made. Yeah. And they'd put in like, you know, like 25% of what they made. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's super sketchy. And actually the way we're doing it these days is every single dollar is tracked. And then, uh, you know, it's great because it, we'd re- redistribute it. And then the um, tip out like spreadsheets we use are uh, like all open and available to everyone that works um, from the front to the back of house. Um, everyone gets to see it and it's very transparent. So I think transparency in these systems is like super, super important. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, uh, like the tax evasion thing, it's especially as we get like more and more into this like um, credit card payment world, uh, it's becoming less and less possible to cut those little corners. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's for the best. Like most restaurant owners, like all, all like are fearing some big audit someday, but yeah. you know, Everything's on credit card. It's all like very like monitored, and you can show it easily to someone who might be looking at it. So there's mm-hmm. some restaurants that are still cash only. I'm like, if I were a prosecutor, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, not a prosecutor. You'd have to be the IRS. Yeah, I guess if I was law enforcement. Uh, but I did want to kind of circle back on. So you said you kind of need someone you trust a lot, or someone who's trustworthy in these positions, and. I'm just very curious about the power dynamic. That's just kind of inherent in the system. There's a power dynamic of, you know, clientele and the workers, and there's a power dynamic between management and the workers. Uh, and so, it, how do you how do you manage that? Uh, you kind of touched on that, but also just that power dynamic is uncomfortable. It sounds like a uh, and is it impo- is it possible to walk away or omit that power dynamic at all or is that just kind of inherent to the industry in some respects 
I, th I think it is inherent. And like, um, like many industries, it's all about like incentives. Yeah. And so we incentivize people to do a good job with us by putting them in positions where they can make the most money, you know, getting the best days, getting the longest hours that they can get on the tip pool and maximize their, their income for the time spent there. Um, but there's, there's no way around the power dynamic. I mean, honestly, it's, it's really like, um, I work for the people that work for us. Um, you know, it's, it's so much less that they work for me. I, I try to go out and support them all I can. Um, and having, I think having a leader that is like, well, um, it understands like the, the difficulties of work every single day for these, for these people and is willing to cover shifts and support, um, they'll end up trusting you so much more when it comes to like the, the most important thing, which is their money. And so um, I, I try to really be present and, and, you know, like try to leave the power thing on the side. But um, ultimately, if people are underperforming, it is my job to, to put the people yeah. uh, that are performing in the, in the position to do us the best. So yeah, um, yeah there's, right. there's no way around it, honestly. Yeah. So many people had problems in COVID, obviously. I think we are sitting in like oh, the we're ruins we're of kind probably of sitting in a, relic a COVID, of COVID. Right, yeah. right, a COVID <laughs> casualty. You're right. How, how was that, how did, how was that for you? Like, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was working at a, um, formerly top 50 bar in San Francisco called trick dog, um, when the pandemic kicked off and there was something about being there at that time that we felt so kind of invincible to it. I mean, like we were a world renowned bar with, you know, like world's best cocktail menu awards and James Beard nominations and stuff. And, you know, overnight it was like, like Duncan touch. No. Oh, come on. I, I, I wish I could say I was doing more than I was there, but, uh, I, um, yeah, I mean that, that, uh, that that was a huge like splash of like ice cold water in the face you know like everything felt <clears throat> like you know it was never going to end and the, the money was endless and there was going to be people constantly looking for cocktails and uh, and good food and good entertainment um but yeah i mean it, it was honestly terrifying and unsettling i mean I, i'm sure you guys were affected in the same way like so much of so much of what you enjoyed going out and being able to do was just gone overnight. Um, yeah. But it took me literally years to, to regroup and recover so much of the stuff I'd worked for um, to get back to kind of where I'm at now. But And so like this a bit deviating from tipping in general, but just restaurant business model, just the uh, profit margins even at, even at, you know, one of the most successful restaurants in a city that is one of the most resourced, struggled and rocked. Is that is the restaurant industry kind of due for new models? Like, it seems like restaurants are kind of doing that in some respect. Like, DoorDash has those pop-up shops that, that they can make money on. Right, like ghost kitchens or yeah. whatever. Yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's way overdue for a, for a rethinking of the business model. And, um, you know, I know we're kind of moving away from tips a little bit, but I think it's an important top <coughs> topic. Excuse me. It's tech. It's system. So. Yeah, it yeah. really <laughs> is. It really is. And, like, um, I think one thing the pandemic did was it accelerated trends in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And um, as, like, the restaurant industry was, like, slowly coming to grips with, like, oh, God, we have to, like, figure out a new way to get um, income in the door, um, we got hit with COVID, and it set us forward probably, like, five years or yeah. more. Um, so a lot of people had to think, like, how do we redesign what we do? Now we're pushing people outdoors to dine outdoors, more kind of European, like, alfresco style, yeah. which I think is a really good trend. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, also this, like, sort of strong-arming people for tip money and all these excessive fees for dining out. Um, you know, it, it's 
I feel like maybe it's kind of a bad trend. Like I think maybe there's a, there's a point of people's generosity could run out or they could feel a bit abused by that. So um, whenever we can avoid um, adding any fees or, um, you know, like tacking on anything that's, that's not 100% necessary, we do just purely out of respect for the people that come in and do this. You know, when you were talking about the technology of like, uh, you know, here, sign on my little toast handheld device, yeah. um, and it pops up and it's like, 25%, please. Um, a lot of times I just get a feeling when I connect with the table and I print the receipt and I drop it off with a pen, and we always do better than 20%, so I think it can be an artificial like cap yeah. to how much you can make based on the like inhuman nature of this little device, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's just like when you're, you know, arguing with someone, if you're arguing with someone face to face, it's like more civil and more empathetic. But if you're online, you're like typing up nasty yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would Sorry, bet I that. E I would bet that oh, even if like, even if that toast thing were like, here, use your finger to write it, it would maybe even be better than punching it in yourself because there's just like a personal fillet. I do think yeah. people like to feel good about themselves when they're tipping. Yeah, probably. Even right. though it's expected. I mean, I feel very good, and I'm like custom, and I go above what they want. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm about to, I'm about to fuck it up over Taking here. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's another. I, I think when it comes to tipping, there is one kind of problematic aspect: is that the people that can afford to do it more. Uh, are going to get preferential treatment just from the service yeah. staff, yeah. you know. And so if someone comes in and they have a great time and they're here to have a modest time out and they can't necessarily flex and throw $100 bills around, they sh they still deserve the same respect and treatment as someone who comes in and is just like money bagging, yeah, like, you know, making it rain for our servers and stuff, um, uh, well, which I kinda, happens. Well, I kind of <laughs> think, think that raises an interesting question about, you know, luxury items versus not. Like, I mean... I don't think people are kind of entitled or, you know, must go to restaurants, you know? So I think, I don't know. But there's I, different levels well, of restaurants, yeah. I mean, obviously. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to agree that, like, everyone's entitled to the same level of respect. That's what I'm saying. But it is a bit of an issue question, just, like, that's also, that seems another unavoidable element of consuming a luxury type of experience. I suppose so. But the two people sitting in this table and that table are both paying for the product yeah. that they were asked to pay for. Yeah. Um, but one person is getting better treatment and friendlier and warmer treatment than yeah. the other. Um, you know, who, who technically both of them were able to pay for this service that was asked to them. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and then like that could totally open up into all these like stereotypes about who comes in and tips what, which is totally gross. So, yeah. I mean, to me- oh, God, I'm gonna get canceled for saying this. <laughs> oh no, no, don't say it, don't say it. No, 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 from what I just said. I was like, I hope it doesn't get misconstrued, but whatever. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, I dream of a day where tipping could be gone. Um, you know, I think it's totally unfair that, you know, some people might be getting um, like, prejudged yeah. to be thought that oh this person doesn't look like they're gonna tip you know maybe they come in with like their streetwear and they're like mm -hmm. they were just smoking out front or whatever and you're yeah. instantly you're just like oh man like this guy's gonna come and have like four beers and leave us like 50 cents on the the bar top but uh, it's just these like biases that we have to get past and like, like I mean every part of society you're so right because when I wear like Stanford gear when I walk to a restaurant it's a totally different experience than when I'm wearing like I don't know, my rugged bear. And this is like, same yeah. place. I'm just like, noted. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we have to ask ourselves, like, is that really fair to be able to like judge people and subconsciously adjust the product we're giving them yeah. based on their appearance? I mean, it's, it's something that like a lot of servers just have ingrained in them and it's totally wrong. And it's been created, that bias has kind of been created around this tipping uh, environment. So 
Um, that's one of the like casualties of, of having this tipping system is that I think it kind of like put everyone's biases on like steroids in these, in these like working class industries mm -hmm. sometimes. Right. So um, th that's one of those things that like tipping needs to have, we have to figure out how we can address that. And I want maybe I could pass it off to you guys. Like how can we live with tipping, which protects the like, um, you know, blue collar type workers of the world yeah. with protection from inflation and um, freedom of opportunity um, and limit those like negative aspects of it. I'm so glad you asked because I was just going to like say, we always look at these like symptom, symptomatic problems that are actually speaking about a different problem. Like so much of what you're identifying through tipping is not a tipping problem inherently. It's a racism problem or a sexism problem or a classism problem. And those, like it's like our society has to become more perfect first <laughs> before we have a more perfect system. Agreed. I think. I personally think do away with tipping, increase minimum wage. Yeah. Um, I just feel like tipping was born out of, well, I mean, problematic history, which maybe we'll get into more, but yeah. like, I think there's a basic idea like behind it, which is that two <laughs> like servers, for example, might receive different tips and it's based kind of on their personalities, like their performance yeah. and their personalities. And I think it's because we used to think of job, most jobs as like not really personality driven, like factory jobs or whatever. But now I feel like there are a lot of, like as work, the idea of work is changing, people's personalities come out in their jobs all the time. They like literally are brands in and of themselves. So it's less as of like an individualistic task that yeah. you're doing and these interactions that you're having. I think it would take stress away from just like the day-to-day, -day like every, every interaction that you have at a restaurant, for example, you should want to do your best because you want them to come back. Yeah. It's not because like to get that tip that one time. It's because yeah. you're like, speaking out for the product in the hopes that people will like continue to return and i think is incentive enough to be a good server for sure yeah you have the experience because, so I, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't call it that my brother-in-law owns a restaurant it is surely the only reason i had a job shout out to your brother-in-law's restaurant right yeah. indiana to my brother -in -law. yes yeah. greek's pizzeria yeah Greek's go check them out yeah. it's go really good they, they are all better than me they all did better than me yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pleasant place to spend your day servers will be super friendly there we promise <laughs> jess has been fired uh well i think you're totally like on point with all of that i think the important thing is that as the, all those things are true um that people sh the incentive should be to get people coming back and make sure they have a great experience with the product um, as long as they're able to make enough money uh, and it just seems yeah. that like you know raise the minimum wage uh, raise prices uh, really if, if we took our um, if we redid our business model now um, if you, there was a $50 entree on on the menu I could only imagine just right off the top of my head some of those things would climb into like the $70 territory to make up for how much people um, our servers would make. I mean, uh, it really, it creates this like high ceiling with the tipping industry where mm. these guys can leave with like $50 an hour, but most small businesses in a downtown that are like family run could never dream of paying. They're, they're maybe hoping to make $30, $40 an hour themselves for yeah. owning it. So it's, it's this weird dynamic, like how do we, how do we keep the people that need this job um, that is a skilled job um, yeah. making enough to survive and do it for a long time so that we have a talented labor force um, without like raising prices sky high so that no one can have access or only the rich can have access to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the topic of recruiting talent, um, I was thinking about this earlier when you're talking about the fairness standard as applied to restaurants and bars. 
Uh, and it sounds like there's a lot of latitude for managers to kind of set the tipping culture uh, within these places. And it seems to me that, you know, like the places that are known to have like better tipping cultures and, you know, like just better management uh, would probably attract, you know, the better talent. Um, and so I'm curious how you see that playing out. Do you see uh, you and your competitors as having like these clashing reputations for tipping and mm. Does that manifest in like the hiring process when you're hiring employees? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, so I think one of the huge draws for people to come work for us is that they can make a lot of money consistently. Um, they're never going to like break through the ceiling, a certain ceiling of like, you know, 500 a night where, you know, many servers in that like individual, like to your, to your topic of like competitors, mm -hmm. maybe they'll say like, you take home everything you make and half of the people there make a, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars a night, and then the other half are making like a hundred or two hundred. Um, I, I think we, for recruitment alone, like our tip tip out policy, um, is super advantageous to not only the people on the front of house that are making your cocktails or um, you know serving your table, but it also like trickles down to the support staff. Um, mm -hmm. We be we believe that none of that stuff would be possible at all if it weren't for the people. Um, you know, running the glassware, doing the dishes, um, running the food, um, polishing the silverware. Um, so, so we've created a pretty high ground floor for those people as well, um, and sacrificed a little bit of the ceiling from the people that are out there um, table side. Um, so, you know, we we I think most people come in, take one look at it, and they're like, "This is pretty fair." And because it's um, all above board, you know, we all it's there's so much transparency in it. Um, I'm on board. Let's do it. Let's like let's make create this team culture. Um, but, you know, I, I know a lot of places similarly that attract people for, they attract kind of the superstar mentalities that are a little bit individualistic mm -hmm. and maybe not inherent good team players to chase after that big paycheck every single night. So um, more, more recruiting, we're trying to put it this out in a way that will attract people that are interested in being good team players and making enough and working in an environment where no one's like struggling. Yeah, so what are the main channels like for communicating this kind of information to people who don't yet work for you besides word of mouth? Are there like job boards or websites where people talk about uh, the employee cultures at different places or how does that work? I mean, luckily for us, it's all been word of mouth. Yeah. You know, we, hire, we hire a handful of people and they all have such a good time. Uh, at least the vast majority of them have such a good time. They just tell everyone they know, like, hey, I can get you a job. You know, they're just looking for good, like, nice people that are trustworthy and have good personalities. So we're 100% um, word of mouth on that. Um, I, I don't really, I don't know how much luck people are having on, on job boards and through Craigslist or whatever right now. Um, it's, it must be really hard for those people. And I, I mean, I'm like, the, I'm like a big Barzola booster everywhere I go. I'm like, have you been to Barzola? <laughs> yeah, when my parents came to visit, it was like first I said, well, actually, no, first I took them to Rosen Crown, but then we went to Barzola. Yeah. Oh, I love it. You gotta, yeah. you gotta butter, them up, butter them up first before they For get sure. the main squeeze. Yeah. Um, if you would want to share like the project that you're working on now, a little announcement. Yeah. yeah. The locals. For the locals out here. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me a, a, some space to talk about it. Um, while we talk about it in this space, but uh, yeah, we, we um, sadly, it, Palo Alto, California has lost an institution bar and restaurant called The Old Pro um, on Ramona Street. And you know, you guys that have been uh, going to Stanford for quite some time, I'm sure have spent some nights out hanging out here, maybe getting like hucked off of a mechanical bull. Right in the bull, baby. I almost right got the to bowl. the minute mark where you're supposed to get like a free beer or something if you make it, but yeah. I, I only made it to 57 seconds. Uh. So. 
I live with that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> lose a lot of sleep over that one. Um, but we removed the mechanical bull and got the lease to this place. So, um, you know, if you guys are, let's see, we're recording this in February of 2023. And if you guys are all around uh, this time next year, uh, anyone listening to this or anyone sitting at the table with me now. Oh, I'll be uh, here. Please come and party with us because uh, this place is going to be well-funded, equitable, and just an amazing place to work and, and thus um, hang out and drink. So uh, we don't have a name just yet, uh, but it, it, it is all official. Um, and yeah, we'd love to have you here. Could you come check us out in the old pro space uh, sometime in uh, next year? Epic. Awesome. Well, yeah, we thank did. you so much, yeah. Duncan. I really appreciate you giving our audience this epic conversation. Another epic one. We, it's crazy how we have a 100% hit rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of Tiffany, if you want to follow us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, give us money. We're like four. Yeah, we need this. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for joining the conversation. Uh, like, subscribe, leave us a comment, send us an email. You know we love to hear from you. And as always, we will talk to you next week.